right you're in the right place welcome back to the paranormal conclave so it's been a little while since I did a story from my past and the other day I was sitting around thinking about times I used to go out more often on ghost hunts things of that nature I was thinking about a time quite a few years ago now. We were sitting at a restaurant. When I mean me, it was my friend Josh and our friend Laura. Uh, We had just done maybe three or four official ghost hunts at the time. And when we did it, we, we started this back in the day before there was all this fancy equipment. We didn't have the money to buy all the stuff. Uh, we were we were using proven techniques, not equipment, more than anything else. So uh, we were sitting there and uh, having dinner. I think you know it was an Italian restaurant, so probably pizza or whatever. Just having a discussion about some of the things we had done and some of the stuff we'd seen, and just hoping that at one point in time. Since we were doing this, we'd we'd actually catch something kind of more interesting than, you know, the average little bump here or bump there or possible footstep noise, you know. But we figured time would tell. We were really more into it for the history and uh, the the thought of actually trying to help people out was, was kind of important to us. So there we were sitting at the table when uh, apparently our conversation got a little loud about what we had been doing and we noticed a woman maybe in her mid-twenties staring at us now it was a different time then not everybody was as open to things I mean there's still people out there that aren't open to things but talking about the paranormal in a restaurant was not one of the things you usually did but she uh, started to walk towards us with her boy Um, and I thought oh we're 
you'd better shut up. We're offending somebody, you know. But she actually came over and she introduced herself and um, introduced her son and asked if there was a moment we could talk with her, you know, if we minded her sitting down with us. Of course, um, Lori said, no, go, go right ahead. So she sat down and, uh, well, it was, uh, it was an interesting conversation. Uh, she looked at us very blank-faced and said, uh, pretty much she had just moved into a home that, um, she bought, um, for her and her son after her divorce. They'd been in it maybe six months. And it wasn't too far away from where we were at. She said as soon as they got there, uh, things started happening. As a matter of fact, she was there tonight because the activity had become so intense she couldn't stay in the room. Her and her son were terrified. And I was like, well, this, is, this has got to be pretty bad. Uh, she was physically shaken just talking about it. Her son wouldn't look up at us. He was very, very terrified, very introverted about the conversation. So we tried to engage him a little bit said, you know, have you seen anything? He would shake his head yes. Uh, is it, you know, is it scaring you? Is it scaring your mom? He'd shake his head yes. I asked if there was a way we could go take a look at it when we were done. And she said that would be amazing if we could swing by just to get an impression of what was going on. So we finished up what we were doing. We got in our vehicle and we followed her to her home. We turned into the driveway, it was a pretty long driveway, and there sat this old home. I would say probably early 1900s, maybe 19, yeah, I'd say maybe 1920s, 1930s house. Wasn't overly big, but it was it was a small farmhouse looking home, a yeah, very atypical house. Nothing too fancy about it. Had two sheds on the property and a decent porch, but it was definitely old. It was a a fixer upper, I would say. As we got out of our cars, uh, she was staring at the front of the house, and she said, "I didn't leave the door open." So now we're thinking maybe the problem she's having at the house is with an ex-boyfriend, her ex-husband. Maybe someone's broken, you know, broken into, just caused her problems. So because we were young and dumb, we decided, me and Josh, we were going to go in. We didn't have cell phones at this time. <laughs> they, were, they were a fairly new invention. So not everybody had cell phones. So we get uh, we get to the front door, and we go in, and the house looks trashed. There are books on the floor, clothes on the floor. Kitchen cabinets primarily were all open. Cushions were just, it just looked completely in disarray. And as we're walking into the home, we hear noises upstairs, like things moving. It actually sounded like somebody's dresser had moved that dragging noise of a heavy piece of furniture. So we call out 
So we're coming upstairs. Uh, if you're calm, no harm will come to you. We don't care. We just want you out of this house. But here we come. So we walk up the stairs. We all had our little pocket knives and things like that on us. I think Josh grabbed probably a lamp or something. I can't remember what he grabbed. He grabbed something from the house. We walk up the stairs, going, moving around, looking under everything, in everything. Could not find a person. Now, we know we heard the noise. I mean, it was loud. You could, I mean, the room that we were standing in, the living room, the bedroom above, you could feel the the vibration in the room when we when we entered. So after about, I don't know, 20 minutes of not finding anybody and having the family, her and her son, come in, they walked through everything. We went with them. We couldn't find anybody with them either, so we said it okay. Now a little bit of doubt is now falling upon us, going, something is, something is wrong. Maybe this lady has some problems. Maybe depression and anger, and she just trashed the house, scared her child, and they left together. So we decided we're going to help her straighten up. So we did. We picked things up, got the kitchen straightened up, and uh, we sat there for another minute or two, and after it was all said and done, she said, what do you think? I said, well, we can't really say anything. We did hear a noise when we came in, but there's no you know, definitive proof that was anything. She said, what about the house? I said, well, to be fair, I'm not saying that, that you're, you know, not telling us the whole truth, but we don't know what this place looked like before. So now that it's cleared up and clean, maybe we can do a couple things just to see what, what happens. So upstairs in the hallway, as I said, we didn't have a lot of modern equipment at the time. We took some flour from the kitchen and dusted it in the hallway. Obviously, making a nice sheen, not a heavy coating, just enough that if he were to put a print down on the ground, it would leave a mark. So we dusted the whole hallway with flour. We went to the car and got our, our candles, our control candles, our hurricane lamps. Put the glass around them, that way the uh, flames kind of kept a steady stream straight up. They didn't they didn't move much. That way no outside influence would blow out a candle. We got the glass on. We had our string techniques and uh, mirror techniques and things like that we were using. Like I said, we were going very old school with this since we weren't preparing ahead of time to really do much. So we sat in the kitchen, uh, kind of made that our base of operations. And so we started. Uh, we kept her, the lady, her and her uh, son, with us uh, the entire time. Uh, we started our questioning. Uh, is there anybody here? Can you show us that you're here? If you are, give us a sign. Nothing. Nothing happened. Then out of nowhere, as we sat there, we heard the noise again from upstairs. We all heard it. We decided, let's let's go investigate this. Let's see what this is. Maybe she had a raccoon or a flying squirrel or something in her house. So we go upstairs. 
Slowly, of course. Still talking. Hello, is anybody there? When we got up there, the first thing we noticed was marks, like not f so much footprints, but I don't know, kind of a weird drag shuffle mark in the flower that we put in the hallway. It was definitely one after the other, a left, a right, a left, a right. We made our way down the hall, looking into the room, and we noticed that there was a chair in her bedroom that she said had been moved. It was in an odd place, more towards the center of the bedroom, up against the bed. At that moment, we heard a crash downstairs. We quickly ran back downstairs. The cabinet doors in the kitchen were back open. A small cereal bowl had broken on the floor. We couldn't believe it. We had just left here and it was it was perfectly fine. We cleaned everything up. We knew we did. And why were these cabinet doors back open? So Josh decided to go back out of the car. We had an old type tape recorder. Not a digital one, just an old random tape recorder. We brought it in. Maybe you've seen the type I'm talking about there black rectangles, black buttons, orange record button. A lot of old schools had them. Very old school way of recording things, but it was effective. We had a plug-in microphone to it on a little tiny tripod, and we set that up in the middle of the table. We proceeded to press record and start our questions all over again. Who is here? What do you want? Why are you tormenting this young mother and her son? We hit stop on the recorder. These questions took about four or five minutes. We left space in between, so in case we did record something, there would be space that we could try to analyze it and figure out what it was saying. Well, we did catch something. Uh, and it was possibly the most terrifying EVP I had ever heard at the time. It was a cross between a scream and a growl. The look on the mother's face was absolute terror. The son hid his face in his arms as he put his head on the table. We looked at each other. I looked at Josh and Laura and I was completely dumbfounded. I didn't know what was going on. So we decided to record some more. And this is a part of the recording that still survived on that tape. That uh, we then realized this woman was telling the truth. She was experiencing something. Now I apologize for the quality of this. Please remember this is off of a cassette tape from many years ago, so, um, here it is. I don't know if you heard that very clearly, but it was obvious to us that it said get out. Um, and it appeared to be a woman's voice. 
So, uh, that was terrifying. As we sat there stunned, the whole thing, uh, something else came through that really affected the young woman's son more than the get out did. Here's that clip. At that point in time, we kind of knew you were dealing with a woman and a child on both ends of the spectrum, a living one and a woman and child that were not. Now, what was the history of this house? We had to find out. So, later, uh, we packed everything up. Uh, she was going to stay at her sister's for the evening. It was, I believe, on a Friday. She was going to spend the weekend. She just couldn't stay in the house, especially after that. So, we got to our vehicles and drove home. The following day, we went to the public library to try to get some information, do our due diligence, and get the research that we needed. We found out later that that home was part of a terrible accident or incident, not really an accident, that happened back in the 1950s. A young woman in her 20s and her young son were found dead in that home. Apparently, the mother had um, some underlying mental conditions. Uh, her husband had left. Uh, her family, I don't know if she was estranged from them or not, but the police had found them in the home and her son had been smothered with a pillow. And after that, the mother took her own life with a lot of pills. Um, it's a terrible story, but the similarities and ages between both of those mothers and both of those children that we're dealing with in this investigation were shocking. The living mother that we were dealing with was obviously on the verge of a breakdown. Now, maybe... Maybe the spirits in this home didn't want them there because they just reminded them of the situation that caused their demise. I think that sort of depression would linger. I think that it would uh, be terrifying on both ends to see, for the spirits to see a living person going through that similar thing and the terrifying voices and incidents. I think, I think they were really trying to scare them out of the home to get them out, but, uh, we'll, you know, we'll never know. But, um, we went back with that information and, and told her what had happened. She thanked us for it. She was a bit, uh, well, it was strange. She seemed to take that information a lot better than we thought. Uh, we gave her the newspaper articles and all of that stuff, but we did end up catching 
something amazing that night. Uh, actual activity. So I guess it was a matter of be careful what you wish for type of thing, because we really weren't prepared for it at the time. So, as time went on and we had done a few more investigations out, you know, elsewhere, from Gettysburg down to Virginia and a few other places, um, we started thinking about that family, that woman and that, that boy. So we decided, you know what, maybe we should check in on them, see how they're doing. Actually, that was Laura's idea. Josh and I were just, you know, going along with it. But uh, it seemed to be a, the right thing to do. So we uh, got back in our car. We didn't call. We didn't have their number. Figure, well, we know where the house is. We'll just drive there. When we pulled in the driveway, the remnants of that home was there. We were completely shocked. Uh, we were interested in finding out what had happened here. The, the house was completely scorched. I mean, it was burned. So we decided to go into town. It was getting near lunchtime, get lunch. And uh, maybe swing by the police station to see if we could find something out. Because I don't remember seeing anything in the paper about it at the time. Well, after eating and doing some more digging, we did find out what happened to that house. Apparently, that young mother we had been talking with and trying to help and got her that information... A, probably about a month, month and a half after we had left. She set the entire house on fire. She couldn't take it anymore. I heard that, I thought of the worst. I thought, oh my gosh, she, 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 she burned them both up. It just seemed to be the curse of this home. But she didn't. She took her son out of the home. She had gone to the store and got gas in containers and poured it all over the house and lit that thing on fire. I guess the mental strain on which she was under was so great she figured she'd just get rid of the home, get rid of the problem. She was apparently arrested for arson, and her son was now living with her sister. It takes things like this to make you realize how stressful the unknown can be. Things like that will eat at you. People think, oh, I could live with a ghost, it's no problem. But the never-ending onslaught that can come with it the noises, the voices, the constant cleanup, the the craziness that ensues in the home can just be overwhelming. This woman had reached the end of her rope. But the sad thing is, in protecting her son and protecting her, she lost her son. But maybe she somehow without thinking it through, thought that maybe 
it would be better off this way. So there we stood, uh, staring at each other, thinking about how bad this actually could have gone. Did we help her giving the information? Did we not? Maybe we did. Maybe we helped her just to prove that she wasn't crazy. I'm sure the psychological effects on the young boy would have lasted quite a long time. But I, I don't know what happened to that family. I don't know. I'm sure she's out of jail now. I would hope. I hope she's reunited with her son. So at that point in time, we decided to always be prepared, always have some sort of kit with us in case we needed to do something we weren't prepared to do. You know, have the, you know, not try to wing it. But uh, it was a different time then. Ghost hunting was still in its pseudo-infancy, if you will. Like I said, we didn't have the high-tech equipment that there is now. We were using, you know, flour, like I said, sprinkled in hallways. We were using hurricane lights. We were using uh, weighted strings. We were using all of this stuff to try to get confirmation. I mean, we did, we used the flashlight technique, you know, on for yes, off for no, that sort of thing, trying to establish communication. But the best thing that we got were those EVPs. I was amazed when uh, Josh said he still had the tape. The hardest part really was finding a tape player that worked to play him again. And when he did, he sent me those recordings. The field of ghost hunting has changed so much. And the more we know, the more questions we all seem to have. The answers are always now at our fingertips. But when you have something like a spirit that is eluding us, that is going against everything that you think should be happening, how it should be happening, going against every motion in your body saying that this shouldn't be taking place, but yet it is. Why is that? There's yet to be someone who can really explain that answer. All we're doing is trying a hunt and peck method to just figure it out. Best guess. Experience plays a big part in what we do now. There's a lot of investigators out there that haven't. But there's a lot of new ones that keep popping up that I guess we all had to start somewhere, but they're going about it in the wrong way. Have respect for what you're doing when you're dealing with the paranormal and the spirits around. If we would have gone into that house and antagonized and made them angry, what could have happened to that young mother and her son? Would it have made things worse? Very well could have. So when doing this type of work, you have to be professional in what you do.
It's not fun and games. You're dealing with people that used to be here. Emotions. Energy. Some are residual. Like I've said in the past, that tape recorder effect that records the the incidents and it just plays it on the loop with no intelligence behind it, but then there are those where you get those responses that are right on cue. That you know you're having a conversation of sorts with someone who isn't here anymore. You're just dealing with people. People without a body. So do your best not to be disrespectful. And if you are in this field, always do your best to help people out when they need it. So there you are. Another little story from my past. I wouldn't have even thought to bring this one up if those uh, recordings hadn't come through. So, thank you, Josh. And, uh... Until next time. I was Rum. And this was another episode of... The Paranormal Conclave. And, as always... Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Conclave. Join us next time for another haunting discussion on the things outside our normal realm of reality and thinking. Paranormal. Conclave.